Hi, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. Happy hour with Fictabulous. It is another beautiful Friday, but much warmer. It is definitely heating up and we are definitely moving into summer. So I hope you guys are ready. Thank God they've opened the beaches to where we can start lounging because I think we're in for an, a hot summer. Anyways, today is a very special recording episode because I have my lovely younger sister, Brittany here, or AKA Brit Smash. Um, as is her, it's her YouTube name. Yes. Kind of title. Uh, sort of bestowed on me by fans. I didn't pick the name myself, I swear. Yeah, so she has a YouTube channel. She's been doing this whole, you know, social media YouTuber. YouTube, YouTuber. <laughs> YouTuber. <laughs> YouTuber thing a lot longer than I have. So she has a lot of experience. So go check her out. She's hilarious. Thank She's you. very talented. Aww. Yeah, I have to say that because okay. actually, technically, I don't because I'm the oldest. So what are you gonna do? Oh well, <laughs> I guess help you. <laughs> yes, please help me. No, you're fine. Help uh, me. Okay. Well, thank you. So today's episode recording movie or discussion is it's not gonna be. Shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. Okay, so it is uh, going to be on the Netflix series Stranger Things. We are only going to do season one because trying to do seasons one, two, and three is going to be just, it's going to be like a movie. Strap in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I was waiting for you. I was, I was like, waiting to go off I had you. it all the tip of my tongue, but uh-huh. I couldn't like. Take a drink. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, let me. Okay. Oh, by the way, today's episode is being fueled by a Cape Cod. And if you don't know what that is, please, that makes me feel old. It is a cranberry vodka, also known as Cape Cod. So when you go back out into the newly, freshly opened, reopened clubs. Yeah, and quarantine social distancing bars. Dancing six feet apart from your partner. Exactly. You can be fancy and be like, oh, the Cape Cod instead of cranberry vodka. And my sister here is uh, drinking a screwdriver. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. No, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you. It's orange juice and vodka. It's really simple. You know, it's refreshing for a very warm night like tonight. So I hope you guys will enjoy this review and discussion. And I hope you guys are all still being safe out there. You know, I know they're starting to lift and we're starting to go back and start this new kind of normal new normal life, way of life, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, given recent events with protesting, I hope you guys are still staying safe with that. I completely support, you know, Black Lives Matter. This is a very diverse podcast. No judgment, no, you know, preference in race. We are just very welcoming. And if you have a problem with that, then you cannot listen. It's very easy. You raising your hand? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Do you? Yes, I have to, Yes, sorry, sorry. I didn't know how to segue into that. I also, on my channel, in the description to all of my latest videos, I have opened up a GoFundMe for uh, plenty of a uh, donations that you could be able to contribute to and petitions to be able to sign to sub, uh, contribute to Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Blackout Tuesday. And I also started a personal one for the Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation. It specializes on the mental health for uh, Black Lives Matter. And it's a good resource for anyone who, uh, the black community, who needs resource to uh, counseling, therapy, anything that you guys need to reach out to. It's a great way for you guys to get connected. It's to any little 
little or any amount that you guys want to donate is acceptable. The link to that is always in the YouTube and I can do that as well. Okay, we'll save it for the end because you're taking over my goddamn couch. Sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> no, I wanted to know. I didn't know. What I no, say. that was very informative and it, it, yes, and it's not no joking matter, but yes, please go to her uh, YouTube page for Smash and uh, you know, sign up, support, donate, do whatever you can, you know, any amount counts no big no small it doesn't matter you know a contribution is a contribution whatever you prefer no judgment you know we accept all and that's just really what I wanted to make a point to get out there and just you know it's a podcast it's very touchy to to try to explain where I'm coming from but I support the protest I support the black lives you know hashtag black lives matter and again if you don't have if you don't like that then feel free to turn off your radio and unfollow me on all the social media platforms because nobody's forcing you to listen. Here, so, here. moving on. Um, so, otherwise, other than that, I hope you guys are staying safe but able to enjoy all the things that are starting to open up as we segue out of, you know, this uh, shelter-in-place, COVID lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. It's just a big... I don't know what I'm going to say. It's mess. Just, just a big mess. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I'll say it. Thank you. All right. So, let's go into Stranger Things Season 1. Alright, so, I think I started binge-watching this when I was, I had just become a new mom. I just had Victor. Because I know it came out a while ago, before, 2016. When did, cause I it know... says right here on my little cheat sheet. 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, Brittany. Yes. No, no, no. I didn't doubt you. I didn't <laughs> doubt you. I was about to agree with you because I watched it when it first came out on Netflix when it came out in 2016. Yeah. I know you had and you were raving about it and like you and your friends were all about it. And me and Victor were kind of like, eh, do we want to watch it? Whatever. But we were kind of just preoccupied because I was pregnant. Yep. <laughs> And I think by the time we did hear about it and started, like, you know, it was becoming just this whole big, huge phenomenon. And, you know, fan... The fan base just... Really yeah, it was just crazy. So, and then it wasn't until after I had my son, you know, I'm on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm up at all hours of the night, you know. And so, Victor got into Golden Girls. Oh, <laughs> I love how and he went to Golden Girls. He, he, he loved Golden he, Well, he loves, I shouldn't pass tense it. He still watches it. Like, if he can't sleep or anything, he defaults it. Because it's it's one of those shows that plays at all hours of the night. So it's like, you know. And then it's so catchy. And those wow, little old ladies are Thank you for savage. being a friend. Yes. <laughs> so... He got into that and then we we kept seeing we have netflix so we kept seeing stranger things stranger things and then all our friends and family including mm -hmm. you started talking about it you know posting about it you guys were having stranger things things themed parties you yep, know with we the were. a b c d you know all that decoration which i really want to try to do i haven't i've always wanted to do it but i never I had a chance to, to. Do it for halloween this year that would be fun um so yeah then we finally got into it and we were hooked it was the perfect time for we were both on maternity leave to um my husband and i to just sit and binge watch it and we did and luckily we didn't have to wait by the time we watched the first season it wasn't too long before the second season came out 
So we were able, we didn't have to wait too long. But it must be nice. I know. But here we are, and we're three seasons in, mm-hmm. about to be four seasons, and then coronavirus hits. Yep. And just like many other movies and TV shows that we were looking forward to seeing and postponed. being, yeah, postponed. So, yeah. Anyways, let's go ahead and get into this series review and discussion. Sure. Iconic first season. Yes. Okay. So the first season starts out. It is November 16th, 1983 in Hawkins, Indiana. Inside Hawkins National Laboratory, a scientist bursts out a door running from something that isn't there. And he's running to... I don't have notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's sound effects. You know, it makes you feel like you're Builds really here. Suspense, just exactly. Like show. Mm-hmm. I get what you're doing. So he runs to the elevator, tapping the floor button repeatedly, looking back and forth. Um, he then gets into the and tapes, tap tapes, taps the button. I can't read. Um, <laughs> he looks forward, then up slowly as he hears he's something that we can't see. Again, building the suspense. He is then pulled up as the elevator doors close, yelling loudly. Uh, we then see the Wheeler resident as four friends, Mike Wheeler, Will Byers, Dustin Henderson, and Lucas Sinclair play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, We then see that the Demogorgon is played as Will is pressured to cast Fireball. He rolls a die, but it lands on the floor. With the group scrambling for it, Mike is then called by his mother, Nancy, to end the game. Meanwhile, the trio find it, but it is a seven, as only a 13 or higher can cast a fireball, which means Will was eaten. Will then leaves after telling Mike that it was a seven. Will rides his bike through the woods. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're getting a little ahead of themselves. What wrote mm-hmm. this? Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> he's not just riding through the woods. He and Dustin and Lucas. Lucas. Um, you saw the blank space you know deer in headlights look at my face i got you um so they're they start heading you know going into the direction start heading home all together from mike's house and first to go and segue into the direction of his house is lucas Mm -hmm. which leaves dustin and Will. will who are start you know doing uh a bicycle race and Will wins. Yeah, Will wins because they read a comic book. A comic book, yeah, that's right, they did. So, and um, then it, you know, it kind of goes, Will has to continue going straight to his house, whereas Dustin has to veer off, you know, down a different street to get to his. So now it's just Will riding his bike late at night through this, like, deserted road. Yeah, he's trying to go home. He's trying to go home, and then he hears a sound... Yeah, he's passing by Hawkins Laboratory, and he then sees something weird in front of him as he accidentally falls down a steep hill and crashes. He then abandons his bike and runs to his house. He unlocks the back door to find somebody home as the thing out back is probably chasing him. He tries to call his parents, but only weird breathing is heard. Something then unlocks the bolt on the door. Will rushes to the shed in the backyard where he sees the thing this creature type thing Mm -hmm. the light in the shed glows brightly and then fades revealing no one there anymore and 
Roll credits. <laughs> that's it, you that's guys. Uh, that's it. Cut. Paste. Done. <laughs> We're set. That's the season. <laughs> what are... We hope you like this podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Will is, you know, gone as well. Mm-hmm. The next morning, which is November 17th. I don't know why they have to really make that clear. I don't know. Because it was... Uh... I don't know. I think they're just trying to be specific. They have a day one. Day one. Will Byers missing? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, police chief Jim Hopper. Oh my god. Okay, listen. He's like a dilf. David. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah, he's he's just he's grown on me. Like before. Something about that beard. Something about the uniform. That Indiana Hawkins police chief uniform. He's just always in it. And he's always smoking a cigarette. I know they're romanticizing, like, cancer sticks, but at the same time, like... (laughs) Well, it's working. I know. (laughs) Give me a pack. I need (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Okay. No, smoking is bad, children. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Bait pins is where it's at. Right? Um, Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I forgot. I, I can't. Okay, this is intro. Police chief Jim Hopper wakes up. Shirtless. Oh. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. put that in your head you for you. Roll, if you can, we in those ro- rules or rolls. Rolls. I, I don't know. It's only rules. Mm. You know who rules? Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I really was didn't know where you're going what with you that. What you put in the drink? <laughs> I may have had a heavy hand with the vodka bottle. <laughs> it ain't called happy hour for no reason. That's true. That's true. Sorry, we both took a drink. <laughs> continue, continue. Okay, sorry. is gonna be so pissed at me. <laughs> Why? Because when she edits this shit and it's like <laughs> the lines looks like somebody's going into like oh. cardiac arrest. Oh yeah. She starts talking her uh audio engineer that she just got a degree. Yeah, know? but she's been like, I ask you for one simple favor talk in the mic hey we're talking to them we're talking oh. in the mic brie but she wants it like this oh like this should we no. very <laughs> close to your face no we're i'm i have a guess we're making it work so Woo. here we go sorry brianna we love you love you okay so anyways he then walks outside enjoying the view and then prepares for work smoking a cigarette damn straight. first thing in the morning he then leaves where'd you get this summary <laughs> Where'd you get the summary? Um, I got it from um, imdb.com. Sponsored by imdb. No, it is not sponsored by. Please. You should still sponsor her imdb. <laughs> Thank you. This is my um, marketing. <laughs> I got you. I'll, I'll cipher you. I'll follow, I'll follow the paperwork. All right. So Will's mother, Joyce, who's played by the beautiful, beautiful and talented Winona writer, um, and his brother, Jonathan, are arguing about if Will ever came home. Well, let's back up. Let's get into a little bit more specifically. Um, they're not arguing. They're, you know, the mom's in the kitchen cooking breakfast. No. Yeah, she's cooking breakfast. No. You... Oh, Jonathan. Jonathan's cooking breakfast. Right, okay. Jonathan's okay. cooking breakfast. She's scrambling around the house. She's getting ready for work. Yes. She has to get John or Will ready for school. Mm-hmm. She calls him. She calls him. You know, she's asking Jonathan if he's seen, you know, if he's, um, if Will's up, blah, right, blah, right, blah. Right. He picked up a shift where he worked. He worked late. That's why nobody was home. He was supposed to be home, but they ended up both working mm-hmm. because. Which, in his defense, 
was to help his mom. Yeah, because Joyce is a single mom with two boys Mm -hmm. and a house to, yes, all of the above. So they're kind of, you know, scrambling, getting ready for their morning, clearly their morning routine. Joyce goes into the room to wake Will up. He's not there. His bed's perfectly made as if not slept in at all. Mm -hmm. So she goes into the bathroom, checks and thinks maybe he's, you know, brushing his teeth, taking a shower, whatever. Nothing. So then Joyce starts questioning whether Jonathan remembers seeing Will when he came home. That's when Jonathan revealed that he had picked up a late shift. Joyce, you know, kind of gives him some crap about it because she wants somebody here with Will not to be by himself. And of course, like you mentioned before, Jonathan's just meant, he meant well. He's trying to help his mom out, you know, mm-hmm. and earning some extra money. Um, so anyways, she called the wheelers, right? She called them to try to see if Will was there. Yeah. She, she calls uh, Nancy, which is, um, Will's mo- or Mike's mom. No, that's her sister. Nancy's definitely his sister. Nancy. Yes. Thank you so much. So calls Nancy which is Mike's sister, and then asks if Will went home. She replies that he left around 8, and they all conclude, including his friends, that Will probably left to go to school early. Mm -hmm. Uh, As they arrive, the trio are being bullied by Troy, the class bully, and his accomplice, um, who shall not be named. Because there is no name. Anyways, Dustin is then picked on because of his condition, Cleidocranial dysplasia. Is that how you say it? They're looking at me for help, and I do not know how to pronounce it. Well, I'm not a dental assistant. I'm not a dental assistant either. You're. I think it's cleidocranial dysplasia, if I can remember how he adorably says it. And his ability to flex bone. That doesn't sound right. Moving on. Lucas and Mike then acknowledge his ability. Two students... Nancy Wheeler, and who's Mike's sister, as I mentioned before, and Barbara Holland, a.k.a. Barb, Barb, Barb. She's Nancy's friend. They're discussing before school that right after Nancy's boyfriend, Steve, and... Wait, where the hell did this go? Can we Let throw me this read... out? We know more than this paper. <laughs> this is more okay. like a guide. We know what I just I like to use the guide, okay? Because you're, you're not here to... To help, you know, I just look at a oh, wall. Is, oh, is this where I'm supposed to? It's usually in? by myself. Well, because and I have okay. to look at a wall or you know <laughs> continuously pause. So meanwhile, while the boys are being bullied, the there's two students, Nancy, again Mike's sister, Barbara Holland, aka Barb, Nancy's friend. Uh, then discuss before school. I don't know what they're discussing. They're talking about Steve because he's trying to get them over to their house for like a party or something and he they're trying to discuss like whether they're actually a thing and nancy's no trying to play, yeah nancy's trying to play it off he like didn't invite them yet he didn't oh, invite them right but they're talking about but steve. they're talking about steve they're so they're just steve. talking about steve and nancy's getting all flustered because it's steve anyways um so right after her and barb have their little conversation nancy's boyfriend steve and she and her start making out in the bathroom nancy has to leave because the bell rings and she's a you know a goody good Mm-hmm. And She's a good girl gone bad. Okay, calm down there. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, well, um, Steve asks if she would like to go anywhere, but she declines, having to study for her test. And he then asks her to come over at around eight, to which she reluctantly agrees. So Steve's like inviting himself over to her house, which who's gonna say no? 
It's romantic at those times. It's 80s. That's exactly. what it is. <laughs> okay, so then Hopper then arrives at the police station. Uh, his assistant, Flo, tells Hopper that Joyce can't find her son. Hopper's clearly drunk. He ignores Flo, but goes anyway. He then, um, he's, you know, kind of talking, you know, trying to just be like, yeah, 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 Flo, blah, 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 just trying to get to his office. And she's trying to warn him that Joyce is in his office, <laughs> but because he keeps, like, talking over her and cutting her off, he doesn't realize until he gets into his office mm -hmm. that and so he can't avoid her. he's trying to avoid having to talk to Joyce but she can't if she's physically there in his office mm -hmm. so then he starts to type a police report on Will labeling him as missing uh, Joyce and Hopper don't instantly find a solution as Joyce is trying to engage with him in a conversation while Hopper is being unreliable unreliable and lazy to be fair it's like a small town mentality where they're like so convinced that like nothing happens in Hawkins. well and that's the 80s too for you you know usually kids go out yeah they don't come home they stayed at a friend's house you know something like so that much trust. Dude, there was too much trust back then mm -hmm. um so anyways um three people <laughs> nobody could no um, so three people then arrive at the laboratory where they are greeted by Dr. Martin Brenner, uh, which he's one of the lab's key scientists. The four then put on hazmat suits and go down to the elevator to a dark room. While looking, they see black roots and flesh-like substances on the walls. They then come across a giant flesh root substance on the wall. And one of them asks about a girl, which Brenner replies, she can't have gone far. So, I wonder who the girl can be. Mm. A girl wearing a hospital gown and with a shaved head is then seen walking through the forest alone. She sees the owner of a restaurant walk out and decides to go there. She enters without notice, but as soon as she eats, starts eating the food in the kitchen, the owner comes and tries to stop her, but it's surprised because she's a girl in a hospital gown. Benny! Shaved head. Is that his name? Yeah. That's his name. I, it just hit me. The Benny. restaurant owner? Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it goes back to Hawkins Middle School. It's the end of the day. Dustin, Lucas, and Mike then ask one of the teachers, Scott Clark, if the Heathkit Ham Shack radio has arrived. Uh, their teacher, Mr. Clark, is a science, mm -hmm. science, science teacher. teacher. Yeah. So he says yes, which gets them all excited because they're basically the prime members of the AV club. Mm -hmm. they're so the only they're the only members. Yes. <laughs> uh, a school staff member then asks for them as they are being questioned for the disappearance of Will. They are told to not investigate for their safety. <laughs> yeah. Of course they're, they're, they're going to listen. Of course. Um, so then it goes back to Joyce who goes to look for Will at his fort in the forest called Castle Byers. I think it's hilarious. It's adorable. She then remembers getting him tickets to see the 1982 film Poltergeist. She's kind of just having like a, a very mem memorable flashback. Mm -hmm. um, but in reality, he's nowhere there at all. Jonathan is there looking for him as well, both calling out his name. Meanwhile, the restaurant owner feeds the mysterious girl. He asks him if she escaped to no answer. He then takes the food and asks her for her name. She replies, Eleven. After he asks what the tattoo 011 means, 
he then gives back the food and calls the authorities to identify her. And she then sees a van and consciously stares at it. It stops. Not, did they say van or fan? You said van. I, I knew you meant fan. Fan. Yes. Sorry. She's fan. got the <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Hopper and his team then find Will's bike where he left it, obviously. Exactly in the same position. Uh, Brenner and the others are then shown at the laboratory tapping in on conversations throughout the the town. We then switch to Joyce trying to reach her ex-husband Lonnie, but his girlfriend Cynthia answers and hangs up. How old is Cynthia again? I don't remember. She was like... She's not... 19. I, I don't think it even says what her name was. Or her age was. I remember she was like teenager. <laughs> was she a teenager? I have no clue. I knew she was young. <laughs> no. She... I don't think she was that young. No, no, no. Alright. So... So Cynthia hangs up on her. She then calls a neighbor, but the answering machine beeps. Hopper then arrives and gives them Will's bike, and he reveals evidence that Will came home. The family dog then barks at the shed while Hopper investigates. Uh, he finds something behind a shelf and the light blinking until one of his deputies come in, scaring Hopper. He then announces a search party for them to announce to the citizens. Uh, Mike and his family start fighting over investigating investigating for Will but his family says no by default but his father enrages him and his mother Karen. The search party is then shown in the forest and Hopper and Mr. Clark then exchange a conversation regarding Will and then Sarah her daughter. Hopper's daughter. Not Why does it say her daughter? No it's Hopper's daughter. Yeah. Um, we'll get into more of that later. Um, Clark is then informed oh actually we'll get into it now right. Clark is then informed that her daughter his daughter had died long ago with saying lives with her mom in the city implies that she is buried there so Clark when Clark starts kind of mentioning or oh yeah one of asking, the deputies overheard the conversation he comes up and he's like you know he's dead right and he's no, like, no 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 I'm like saying like Dr. Dr. Clark no. Uh, Mr. Clark uh, was trying to make conversation when he was talking about Will. Right. And he asks Hopper if, he has, ha kids. if he has kids or if he had, like, they think he remembered him having a little girl or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he says, you know, his default, she lives with, with his mom. Mm -hmm. And then one of these, yeah, overhears and after Hopper walks away, tells Mr. Clark that, yeah, she, she passed away. I know. Uh, so... Mike and Lucas then discuss over the calm radios that they have. Um, Mike suggests to Will that Will might have put himself in danger to protect the trio instead of protecting them, leading to apparent sacrifice. Lucas and Mike then re resolve to meet each other at 10. While Mike leaves, he sees Steve climbing the window, unsuccessfully, <laughs> to Nancy's bedroom, with her soon closing it. The owner, Benny Hammond, of the restaurant, and Eleven, then exchange a little conversation before Agent Connie Frazier, disguised as though she is from social services, arrives. Eleven looks from the distance through the kitchen and sees Frazier shoot Benny in the head, killing him. She then kills two agents and escapes through the back door. So she means Eleven. Mm -hmm. Kills two agents by the door um, and runs away and escapes. 
So Dustin, Lucas, and Mike are then going down the back road called Mirkwood. They cross the restricted area of the woods with Mike telling Dustin to stay on Channel 6 and to not do anything stupid. Uh, it cuts back to Steve and Nancy are then shown studying with him reading index cards that Nancy needs to give answers to. Steve then suggests to strip off clothing for each one if Nancy gets it correct or incorrect. <laughs> After she answers one wrong, they make out again on the bed with Nancy asking if he was in it just for sex. He replies no and then jokes around before getting back to studying. Uh, Joyce and Jonathan are then back at home um, on the bed on his bed mourning over Will and his disappearance. Jonathan then remorsefully regrets that he should have been there for Will which Joyce tells him not to worry about it because it is not his fault and she then gets a mysterious phone call from what we believe is Will but it's it cuts out after she asks the unknown caller what have you done to my boy? To which there's no one on the on the other end, and then they try to console each other. Uh, yeah, because the phone exploded, didn't it? I think it did. I know it's like a few times. It goes through like so many different phones mm -hmm. being season. Uh, so Dustin, Lucas, and Mike then are shown going through the forest. They hear rustling and then see Eleven. To their surprise, uh, they decide to take her to Mike's house, where they ask her just miscellaneous questions interrogation ridiculous Hoping maybe it connected to you. of course uh, mike then observes that she is scared and cold she tries to change out of her wet shirt but the trio are disgusted <laughs> because of gender <laughs> no because they're boys not because of gender they go well yeah kind of gender because they're boys and she's a girl exactly so their reaction is completely innocent and understandable mike directs her to the bathroom where she changes and meanwhile Dustin and Lucas think she is paranoid but Mike stays sane telling them to keep it a secret uh, Mike then offers Eleven a sleeping bag where she he nicknames her L and they both can sleep he lets her sleep down in his like basement yeah, play that's area right. that's the first time like she spoke to him too yeah not much but she spoke mm -hmm. yes and on November 18th, the day after November 17th, wow. <laughs> Joyce and Jonathan discuss Xeroxing a missing poster for Will when Hopper arrives. Um, and he tells Joyce that Will hasn't been found, which angers her. Uh, she discusses the phone call with Hopper, dismissing it as who dismisses it as a prank, um, even though she tries to plead with him that it's not. Jonathan offers to go to Lonnie's instead of Hopper, but he says no instantly. Mike then tells Elle to get help, but she says no and implies bad people who want to kill her. So Mike is trying to get help for Eleven, but she's warning him that That's right. They were originally going to tell Karen, like, they were going to have yeah. this whole plan. Mm -hmm. Like, she was going to just show up at the front door. Like, tell Elle to go around the front, knock, yeah. <laughs> and then his mom's going to open it, and then it's like, oh no, this lost a little girl. Um, what do we do? Yeah. Uh, so, where did I leave? Um, but, uh, so then Mike tells um, 
so then Brenner then is listening to Joyce's 911 call. The search party is still unsuccessful in looking for Will, and Steve then invites Nancy for a party to which she agrees, but they react toxic towards Jonathan, who's hanging pliers for his missing brother. Oh, that's right. The two friends of Steve. That the obnoxious, obnoxious, obnoxious couple. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then Dustin and Lucas at school don't see Mike, who decided to stay home to look after Elle. Uh, Jonathan's putting on the clashes, should I stay or should I go? Which reminds him of when him and Will were listening to it as he drives um, to Lonnie. So he's not listening to Hopper. He's going to go see his uh, dad. Anyways, um, Joyce, however, buys a new phone for for free due to Jonathan having her money. And a handyman, in, which is an agent for the laboratory, verifies that the buyers aren't home as they see ooze dripping from the shed's walls. Meanwhile, Mike is showing her Yoda. Elle remembers being, um, with the, him showing her Yoda, Elle remembers being locked by Brenner into solitary confinement with her calling him Papa, confirming that she is the girl that he and the others talked about before. She also recognizes Will when Mike shows her a picture of him. Uh, meanwhile, Joyce sets up the new phone and waits for another call. Hopper is investigating Benny's death, uh, which was placed falsely like a suicide his body was placed falsely like a suicide so they the agents wanted him them everybody else to think that he killed himself yeah that's right um meanwhile jonathan visits lonnie confirming that will is not there but that his dad is a drunk jonathan angrily gives him the missing poster for will due to his arrogance and drunk behavior uh, Lucas and Dustin angrily attempt to tell Karen about Elle after finding out that Mike spent all day with her, but she locks the door without arms, revealing her psychokinesis powers as well as a nosebleed. Her so when she or whenever oh, she when utilizes Elle was trying when they were trying to tell Mike, hey, we're gonna tell your mom. Elle's like, nah, bitch. Yeah, that's when nah. they, that's when she reveals her um, powers, which cause her to have nosebleeds. The force, yes. Hopper goes to the station to talk to the customer that was there when Eleven arrived. He gives slight information, but not enough to consider it other than a suicide. Um, but he does give him information on L, which Hopper mistakes for Will. Meanwhile, Karen and, and uh, the rest of the family, along with Mike, Dustin, and Lucas, are all having dinner. They are acting weirdly to contain the powers, powerful surprise that kept them in. Elle then walks by when Karen hears something, but Dustin fakes a spasm. He doesn't fake a spasm. He, like, bangs on the table. That's right. <laughs> he bangs on the, um... The mic with that famous, like, milk. Yeah, he, like... He, like, goes, he, like... Like, and then Dustin, like, clamps Yeah, he, yeah, he bangs on the, um, the table. And, which successfully draws attention and her attention away. And meanwhile, the search party continues to look for Will, mistakenly for L, where they find the tag of L's hospital gown in one of the laboratory's drain pipes. And they then find the fence that leads to the lab. Um, L is playing with Mike's radio and is given leftovers by Mike, where he gives the definition of a friend, what a friend being a friend means. And a spit swear by Lucas. Yeah, a spit swear. 
by Lucas. Barbara and Nancy then arrive at Steve's house, but Barbara is suspicious since two of Steve's friends have, who have been having sex since seventh grade. Gross. Yeah. Um, she's just not, she just feels uncomfortable. She doesn't, mm -hmm. she feels like an outsider and they're all having a good time and she's just kind of sitting off by herself. Yeah. Nancy's having a great time. Nancy's having too good of a time. She is. Um, anyways, Hopper wanders suspiciously about the events that have happened in the last 24 hours since Will's disappearance. The last missing person was in summer of 23 and last suicide was in fall of 1961, which is a long time ago. Um, L later that night tells them that Will is somewhere else hiding from something terrible characterized by the Demogorgon. Meanwhile, Jonathan is in the woods with his camera, taking pictures of the scene near Will's bike. He hears screaming and runs to find Steve and the others drinking and swimming. And he decides to take pictures of it, including Nancy. She's not having sex with Steve yet, but not yet. But not yet. Yeah, so it looks like the area where Which Will... Which never elaborated why he decided to take those pictures. Because he had, like, an obsession with her. Or he had, like, a, a, crush. a crush on her. And I don't know. But anyways, so that area of the forest where Will's bike was, it was kind of, like, it merged into, like, uh, his uh, Steve's backyard. Mm -hmm. They don't really see a fence. No. It was kind of just open. Yeah. Yeah. Hawkins, Indiana. Interesting layout. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, uh, Steve grabs Nancy and throws her in the pool with him, which, you know, causes a pool, turn into a pool party. Uh, they were doing kind of like, what is it, gunshot? Like, what is it, gun, what is, I don't know. Shotgun of beer. Shotgun, there you go, gunshot. Mm -hmm. um, They're doing shotgun with beer, and Nancy, who was doing it successfully, wanted to include Barb. She kind of noticed that she was sitting there off to, her, off to the side, you know, not really being included. And tried to include her and showing her how to do it. Um, but when Barb tried to do the shotgun, um, she, cut, she cut her hand. Um, and of course, the other two obnoxious couple were laughing at her. So then she go, then goes inside and to mend her cut while the rest of them continue having a good time. Mm -hmm. um, so then... What is it? So as Barb is coming down or coming down the stairs or going out of the bathroom, uh, Steve and Nancy start making their way upstairs so that Steve can give her some quote unquote clothes to change into. Um, but of course, Barb sees right through it and is oh, just like, she does. Like, She's like, what are you doing? You know, and Barb's like, or not Barb. Nancy's just like, what? It's completely like, like playing stupid mm -hmm. and completely like acting all innocent so and goofy. before they even went into the um party nancy told barb you know hey i whenever you're ready to go like like just tell me and we'll go but now all of a sudden nancy's had a few she's having a good time barb's like come on this isn't you let's go and nancy's very resistant she's like no if you want to go go mm -hmm. kind of you know backing out on what she told Barb before. Exactly. So then she continues up the stairs and follows Steve into his room. 
Barb then uh, goes out to the pool because she's not going to leave her best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, what a good friend. She's going to wait till she's, she's done. Friend. You know so, what I mean? She wants to wait till Nancy gets it in and then leave. You know, she's like, oh, okay, whatever. She, I'm going to let her enjoy your time and then I'll be here when she's ready to go. Mm-hmm. So then she goes out to the backyard and is just chilling out by the pool and you know, obviously one thing leads to another with Steve and Nancy mm-hmm. and Will's still out there taking photographs of her, but not of them having sex. I think it's just of them like making out at the most. And then, you know, he kind of realizes, okay, dude, being a little creepy. Thought, wasn't there a moment where he like looks at the camera and he realizes things are going and then he goes, and I remember looking at the TV like, don't do it, Jonathan, don't. And then he goes, and then like then, but then he's not looking at them anymore. He's looking he's, at Barb. He's, he's looking at Barb, who's by herself again by the pool, just mm-hmm. kind of bleeding. just bleeding into the pool. Uh, so, anyways, Joyce then gets another call from who she suspects is Will, but it shorts out again, and the song "Should I Stay or Should I Go" then starts playing in the house with Joyce believing that it is a message encountering something trying to get through the wall, but returns when the music plays. Um, Barb, who had cut her hand again with a drop of blood, dripping blood in the water, is then taken by something outside, leaving nothing. But what's weird is that Jonathan's standing right there the entire time. I think his film ran out, so he starts messing with his camera, and then he looks up and then she's gone. Can I just say, in that scene, that was such a weird parallel, because it kept cutting back and forth between her screaming for fucking help, screaming for Nancy, then it cuts back to, like, Nancy and Steve just going at it. Well, you're jumping the gun there, honey. Well, you just said um, that she disappeared. That was the... Yeah, she's disappeared, and then Barbara wakes up in the place similar <gasps> to the pool, but it is empty, and everything is covered in black root, and it's cold. And she realizes that the thing that took her Mm. is still there, the creature. So it appears to be an abnormal man with no face. So it kind of, like you said now, simultaneously while Steve and Nancy are starting to have sex. And then um, it starts cutting back and forth like Nancy's scream. Not Nancy, Barbara's screaming. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) Nancy's screaming. I don't know. (laughs) It didn't show that part. So Nancy, who's having sex, can't seem to hear as Barb is being dragged down back into the pool. She's trying to escape. It seems for a moment that Nancy does hear her Mm -hmm. for a minute and then kind of just... Go back to the brown chicken brown cow. Why are you saying brown chicken brown cow? (laughs) It's a joke. It's not brown chicken. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Thank you. Anyways... Um, so then that kind of leads to the ultimate unfortunate events that, you know, Barb is taken by the Demogorgon while Nancy's having a great time. Um, so then Nancy realizes that she is out past her curfew and, uh, she realizes that Barb's, you know, Barb left. She then makes it home, but gets in trouble with Karen, um, who then tries to, you know, just, she's being a mom, asking Mm -hmm. if she's okay, but Nancy's completely defensive and pushes her away, not letting her connect with her at all, stating that nothing happened, but of course, 
Karen, being her mom, can obviously suspect mm -hmm. and knows because, for one, she didn't come back in the clothes that she was wearing. She's wearing a sweater that's clearly not hers. She's all, you know, kind of got that wet look because she went swimming. Mm hmm And... All signs that lead to you are busted. Yeah, and you have sex. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, uh, Jonathan, after trying to communicate with Will via the lights, um, you mean... or after her, his mom tries to tell him that she tried to communicate with Will via the lights, tells her to stop. Um, simultaneously, Dustin, Mike, and Lucas to look for Will again but go to school and before leaving Mike tells Eleven to be there at 315 they're gonna meet at a spot to start looking mm -hmm. for uh, Will she repeats it as 315 that's okay um, Hopper during the morning afternoon goes to uh, Hawkins laboratory and, um, and after an incident is let in to investigate the drain via security tapes um, investigate the the security tapes of the facility to try to uh, see if they can get some evidence about where Will is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then it looks like that, you know, but it, he's unsuccessful. However, he does have his suspicions because he realizes that they messed with the tapes, clearly. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Elle, during this, is watching a Coca-Cola commercial, which then causes her to have a flashback to her being back at the lab, and she's hooked up to an electroencephalograph machine, and uh, she then, you know, crushes an empty Coke can with her telekinesis, um, which again leads to her having a nosebleed after. On November 19th, the day after... The day before. Oh, the day before. And the day that came before that. Um, Joyce, finding Christmas lights, decides to set up an intricate system to indicate Will's position, but runs out. So she goes back to the store where she works and stocks up on them at the store and decides to um, buy a bunch of lights. And she buys another phone. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, telling her manager that she needs to just, she can't come to work, but she needs an advance on her paycheck in order to pay for all of these Christmas lights Cat and candles. yeah and a pack of candles mm -hmm. priorities anyways um Hopper uh, meanwhile is convinced that the guys at the laboratory are lying as there was rainy weather um however it didn't show up in the tapes because they had a pretty bad storm that night because mm -hmm. um, if you remember Mike Will and our Mike Dustin and Lucas found L when it was raining in the forest. Yes. So, and the videos didn't show any rain or weather, you know, conditions. So, uh, those didn't show up on the tape. Brenner and two other people send a man through the fleshy substance in the laboratory, which re is revealed to be a portal. And he documents what he sees, but is then killed by the creature, leaving only... The bloody tether that was keeping him attached to the other side. Um, Jonathan later decides to enlarge the photos that he took but is spotted by a classmate Nicole which happens to be one of Steve's friends um, 
because she notices that the pictures that he's developing is of Nancy mm -hmm. at Steve's house. So he's trying to cover up his tracks, but it's like, dude, why are you developing these pictures at school? You know, or at least do it before, like early, before school yeah, or after school. Yeah, never documented why Jonathan decided to... Because he's a teenage boy and he wasn't thinking. End of story. It's okay, we still love him. Yes. Character development. <laughs> so then this causes for um, Steve and his friends to ambush Jonathan at his car, take his pictures, take his camera, rip him, break him. Um, Karen then visits, decides to visit Joyce for dinner, eating or making, bringing her casserole and uh, trying to just, you know, have a conversation, console her during this time as they're, everybody's trying to look for Will. Her uh, three-year-old toddler, Holly, then sees lights, the hallway lights lighting up yes, and he, she follows them into Will's room because mm -hmm. they kind of they're kind of lighting up one by one and she's following them mm -hmm. and she goes into will's room where the monster tries to enter through the wall uh at the same time uh, during that while that's all going on hopper researches um everything he can about the hawkins uh, laboratory that's related to that um nancy is worried about barbara's disappearance and decides to call her mom because she gets to school and barbara's not there she hasn't seen her since last night She's starting to feel really bad and get worried, which you should. You left her. Yeah. You darn tootin' left her. <laughs> so while at the power lines, um, Elle has a flashback of her strapped to a machine again to attempt infliction on a cat. Um, and she's refusing because they're wanting her to use her powers to cause harm. Yeah, to hurt the cat. And as she's about to be locked away, she slams one of the guards against the wall and then snaps the other's neck, killing both, which proves her telekinetic abilities, powers. powers. Uh, Brenner sees this and calls it incredible. Elvin meets up with um, Lucas, Dustin, and Mike at, you know, she comes to from her flashback. And they all, and the boys arrive. And they decide to travel to find Will again as Mike bonds with Elle, telling her about Troy tripping him because earlier they were bullied by the boys Thank again. Um, and one of them tripped Mike and he lands and hits his chin on a rock. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Um, so then uh, later Nancy finds Barbara's car, which was still left by Will's, or, um, Steve's house. Mm -hmm. And she decides to go to Steve's house only to find something lurking in the woods mm -hmm. and um gets spooked and just and runs away uh back at the buyer's residence joyce finds the christmas lights leading her to a hidden drawer grabbing a set of unplugged christmas lights she asks will are you here they glow mysteriously once and she tells him to blink the lights once for yes twice for no asking him are you alive which the lights blink immensely once um she then asks are you safe? To which the lights immensely blink twice. Will is then lost as the lights don't blink anymore. She then paints the alphabet on the wallpaper and hangs uh, the lights above each letter to create more of a complex message, like her own like Morse code yeah. type of thing. Uh, Hopper with um, then is with another deputy who's searching through the library, trying to find out uh, 
any information on the laboratory. Um, they do find out that it is CIA sanctioned and being called to the quarry. Um, just around the same period, L leads the trio to Will's house stating that he's hiding there, which helps her become accused of lying um, because they obviously know that he's not there. But to her, he is there, mm -hmm. but just in the... Not there yeah she he's in the other side of there the, the upside down underside. <laughs> so suddenly dustin sees a police cruiser and ambulance uh following them um joyce finishes her project and asks will where he is the lights slowly spell out the sentence right here joyce now confused and scared asks will what she should do as to you know, to help find him. The letters then slowly and musically intensely spell run just as the monster enters through the wall and Joyce looks behind to find it breaking through the wallpaper and runs out. Um, following the cops, Dustin, L, Lucas, and Mike end up at the quarry. If you don't know what a quarry is, it's like this water... I know what a quarry is. I'm not, I, I'm not saying you specifically. Oh, I'm you just talking right to me, the but... audience the listeners, that a quarry is kind of just like this water area. Mm -hmm. Like, not like a lake, but it's just like this... Pond? Like a giant pond? Yeah, just this giant area of water. <laughs> <laughs> Mass area water. Yes. Um, so, they follow the cops to the quarry. At the same time, Joyce runs into Jonathan and hugs him. You know, telling her that... Telling him, you know, that she's communicating with Will... And as the boys and L are watching the cops and EMTs mm -hmm. bringing a body out, which mysteriously it looks like Will, that's wearing the clothes that Will had on the night that he was last seen, which causes Mike to then snap at L for lying and completely leaves her um, because she told him that he's alive. But they don't understand and she's not able to really explain where mm -hmm. or how she knows this. She wasn't taught basic communication. No, she isn't. She's kind of learning as she go. goes. Yeah. Um, so he leaves. Uh, he arrives home and hugs Karen very sadly. Hopper watches emotionally as well as the others as Will is pulled out of the water. Presumed dead. Um, Hopper then comes to Will's home where he finds a scared Joyce with the letters on the wall with her describing the creature that came out of the wall as almost human-like, but it wasn't. It had these long arms and it didn't have a face. Hopper thinks that she's just experiencing grief and, uh, grief and tells her the aftermath following Sarah's death. To which he, his experience, basically. He's, he's yeah. telling her his experience after, you know... Coming to, yeah, how to, how he coped with the death of his daughter. Um, but Joyce finds it completely irrelevant. He warns her to get some sleep and encourages her to look at Will in the morgue. And instead she arms herself with an axe and stays awake. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike, uh, still upset with Elle over Will's discovery, tells her that she did something that sucks and that Lucas was all that was right about her all along so he l still comes back to his house mm -hmm. where she's staying 
and he doesn't kick her out necessarily, but he's just really angry with her. Right. Because, um, again, she doesn't know how to communicate with him, and he, from what he is able to understand from her, is... She's... Yeah, it's just, it just makes it seem like she's lying. She was messing so, with the, the radio at that time, right? While he was, like, trying to explain? Yeah, so, however, so however, you know, she's tunes to the radio to Will's presence. So she's able to bring, like, communicate that Will's alive through the radio or the, the walkie-talkie. Um, and Mike, who's able to hear, speak to him, hears him sing, should I stay or should I go? Mm-hmm. However, it's only seconds brief, but it gives Mike proof that Will is alive. So all is right, again, with Elle and Mike. Um, So November 20th, at the morgue, Jonathan leaves at the sight of Will's dead corpse. But Joyce asks for proof of the birthmark on his right arm, which is very smart. Mm -hmm. Um... It then cuts to Hopper. Hopper ensures Jonathan that Joyce will be fine and everything will be alright. But then an enraged Joyce walks out, refusing to sign the documents because she is claiming that that's not her son. Mm -hmm. Because she didn't find the birthmark that she was looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, Jonathan then yells at her that Will is dead, uh, which causes them to part ways because she's refusing to give up that Will is dead even though all evidence points to the contrary exactly uh, so then it goes back to Nancy after school tell, and she tells Steve that she went back to look for Barbara but didn't find anything um, she also details the mysterious sounds that she heard from the forest and uh, which matches the same as Joyce's description However, Steve is worried about his accusation by his parents while Nancy is focused on Barbara. So he's worried about getting in trouble from his parents because then if Nancy goes to the authorities or goes to whoever... His will find out that he threw a party. Exactly. Which, I mean, it's not only a party. Because yeah, it only it had like four five. people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Who are we to judge? Party's a party. Mm-hmm. Anyways, she then, you know, leaves Steve angrily. L then tunes to Will again, but he sounds different. Um, the group decides to disguise L to get her to Mr. Clark's Heathkit. Uh, Heath um, so they dress her up, which this scene, I have to say, it reminds me of <laughs> the of E.T. Oh, when, when they t- dress up E.T. in that blonde wig. Yes. It's like I, I, Not that L looks like E.T., guys, but just the outfit that they're trying to disguise her, obviously, mm-hmm. which is what they were trying to do in E.T. I saw that meme, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I just, sorry, I had to make that reference. You're good. Um, L turns to Will. Um, the group decides to disguise L to get her to Mr. Clark's heat kit. And, meanwhile, Nancy is interrogated by uh, Hopper and, and his deputy, giving some false information that was verified by the police. You know, she's lying to them. She's trying to, like, Tell, she's trying to cover, but yeah, her whereabouts, but also trying to indicate why Barb's missing without mm-hmm. giving it away. Because her mom was there. Yeah, yeah no, her she mom's was talking there. with the deputy and Hopper and like trying to be like, guys, you need to focus on what's the problem. Barb's missing. And they're like, okay, but hold on. 
Yeah, where were you? Yeah. It's like, what were you doing? She's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, okay, it kind of does. It kind <laughs> of does, yes. Um, so anyways, the trio take Elle to school and try to sneak into Mr. Clark's room, but are discovered by him soon later. Uh, he negotiates a deal that after, um, that if they attend an assembly honoring Will Byers, then he will let them use the heat kit the rest of the day, to which they accept, because when he finds them trying to get into his office where the heat kit is, then they kind of pretend like, oh... They're they're morning. sad. They're mourning. They just want to be alone, and this is the place that they know that they can be alone mm -hmm. without being disturbed. And then that's when yeah he does. So that's why he cuts them the deal. Um. So then during the assembly, Mike sees Troy, the bully, laughing at his, at Will's funeral and confronts and then pushes him. However, before the bully can, uh, Troy can attack, he is stopped by L and urinates on himself in front of the entire school, which is mm -hmm. all Bad thanks ass. to L. Uh, meanwhile, Nancy discovers the monster in one of Jonathan's ripped photographs and explains it to him, who realizes that his mother was possibly right. So mm -hmm. they're still not sure about this monster, but they do notice it in Will's ripped photos yes but it's it, it it's it can you can see how it's easily missed because it's it, it's like hidden in the shadows yeah but in the darkness still enough to try but there's like a small glare right? yeah you could still kind of make the outline of the body mm -hmm. so then um hopper then decides to interrogate the man who found will saying that someone didn't want anybody getting close to the body mm -hmm. um because also he realizes that the, what's, who's the guy that, that does the off-sop, autopsy? autopsy? Yeah. The, the donor of the morgue? Something, I, I don't know Some the, important person. I don't know the terminology for the correct name, but he realizes he's not being in charge of this autopsy, supposedly, for this, for Will. Higher-up was in charge of it. Yeah, him. some guys came in and told him not to worry about it, we got it, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. but it's like, that's what gets Hopper suspicious as to why, why, Someone like, what's so, so high level. Is, like, yeah, what's this? so important about Will that they need him, they need people higher up, you know. So that's what causes him some suspicion and um, decides to interrogate the guy that's, that's guarding Will's body. Um, so... Elle is taken to the heat kit where she remembers from the lab that she was told to listen to a certain man via her own mind. So it kind of she keeps having these flashbacks to her time at the um, facility. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, Dustin, Lucas, and Mike watch. The light burns out as they listen to Will engaging in a conversation with Joyce. However, at the same time, after Will disappears, Joyce hacks a hole in the house. And the frequency fries the heath kit, suffering another, ca causing L to have another nosebleed. Mm -hmm. um, Nancy and Jonathan then in, embark, enlarge and brighten the ripped photo. So they're trying to zone in, enhance the image in the photo, um, which gives clear evidence of some kind of monster and the possibility of Will and Barbara's existence. Mm -hmm. So Hopper then breaks into the morgue. And he very hesitantly cuts open what 
is to we were led to believe is Will's body. You can only imagine the anxiety and like the terror that's going through his mind. Yeah, he's like, please don't be real. And it's like full of cotton. Yeah, so he then. Wait, where did I go? (laughs) (laughs) So Hopper breaks in, discovers, um, uh, breaks into the morgue and. Discovers Will is not real. Yeah, discovers Will. It's stuffed like a doll. Yep. Um, Lonnie, who's Will's deadbeat dad, um, then arrives to ensure Joyce's safety, but he's not really. He's got his own little intentions. Um, around the same time as well, Hopper breaks in and discovers the lab's gate a possi- and possibly Elle's bedroom, but is knocked unconscious. So... Hopper's on the hunt. He's, you know, all these breadcrumbs are leading back to the laboratory. Um, he does break in successfully, but then he shortly discovered afterwards. The laboratory. The laboratory. That's sound what like, it's... You sound like Dexter. No, I do not. He does not. <laughs> Welcome back to the laboratory. <laughs> um, so then he breaks in um, and then it cuts back to Lonnie who intoxicates Joyce with alcohol and tries to convince her that Will is really gone. Um, Jonathan arrives and asks him to get out, but he refuses and scrutinizes him for also getting caught up with Joyce. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas and Dustin and Mike discuss about Will's existence, and Mike brings up L. L. Leading towards Will's house, flipping the Dungeons and Dragons game upside down and the symbolism of the bottom board. They discover that Will himself is trapped in the Upside Down, the Veil of the sh- of Shadows, a dark echo of their habitual dimension that is unhabit- uninhabitable. It's dark, it's decaying, and deathly. Plus, it's filled with monsters. And, and ultimately, it's an alternate dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopper then wakes up in his home, sensing something suspicious. He tears apart every appliance and finds a microphone in the light bulb fixture which means that his house was bugged after he arrived or mm-hmm. before or while. Uh, everyone attends Will's funeral as and as everyone is paying their respects, Joyce then remembers Will drawing a mythical figure, which is a wizard that can shoot fireballs, but she comments on the fact that they are green because the red crayon is missing. Uh, later, Brenner and other scientists listen to the trio with Elle at the Heath Kit. Oh no, they are. Um, Jonathan and Nancy grab a revolver from a nearby car at the funeral to devise a plan. At the funeral, Dustin, Lucas, and Mike ask Mr. Clark about the interdimensional tra- about interdimensional travel, in which he gives the flea and the acrobat theory. An acrobat on a tightrope can go forward and backward, but a flea can go the same but sideways and upside down. But a gateway can be created by using energy to rip a hole in space-time. He also gives signs of a gateway um, that can be created by using energy and the, it, its disruption of the electromagnetic field, which would affect compasses, the environment, and numerous other things, factors. Yeah. yeah. Um, soon after the, the funeral, Lonnie removes the Christmas lights. And boards up the hole in the living room. At the same time, Dustin discovers the compasses are not pointing true north. 
they're disrupted by the gate's energy, drawing the compass towards the lab, um, which is confirming Clark's theories. Lonnie then admits that he plans the funeral for financial gain. Asshole. <laughs> Uh, so the trio, along with L, walk in the direction of the compass to the portal. Along the way, L has a flashback, using a sensory deprivation tank and hooked to the wave machine. They use her to collect information from a Russian man. Realizing something, she asks Mike to turn back, uh, refusing to do so as they continue their trek. And around the same time, Nancy and Jonathan walk in the forest, but both argue, are beginning to argue. They have like a little lover spat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which kind of causes them to separate, but not too much while they're in the forest. Um, yeah, so then that causes, like Nancy runs into the creature or she kind of falls through like a tree hole or something. Oh, another like mysterious portal to yeah, the upside down. Yeah, to the upside down. Up, like, no, they find the deer. That's right, and They're the deer gets dragged off. Yeah, that was a freaking crazy scene. Listen, I scared, I, I was scared shitless about that scene, okay? I didn't really expect that. He was like getting ready to shoot Bambi in the head and he's like, <laughs> I can't do it. And he's like, here, let me do it. My dad took me hunting when I didn't want to. The poor little Bambi, they were just gonna, he was getting ready to shoot little Bambi between the eyes and then fucking bam the yeah. thing drags it away yep yeah so uh, you're jumping the gun again I, but it's okay we're getting into it <laughs> <laughs> okay so nancy and jonathan are walking in the forest and they're arguing and they're um then hopper then arrives at the buyer's home and uh, he's shushing Joyce. So Joyce opens up and she's, you know, loud and whatever. And he's shushing her because he's just coming from his house where he realized that his house has been bugged. Mm -hmm. So now he's only assuming, can only assume that her house is bugged as well. So he's shushing her in case of her home being bugged. But he can't find the device <laughs> after looking, admitting that she was right all along about her suspicions. Okay, so Hopper reveals to Joyce that she was right all along about Will being alive and all that. Um, back at the junkyard hangout, the compass suddenly turns back home weirdly. While trying to figure out what is going on, Lucas blames Elle due to her telekinetic abilities. Looking at her sleeve, he sees blood, fresh evidence that Elle used her powers, which she admits as not safe. Lucas and Mike then get into a fight, during which Elle uses her... Tenetic, uh, telekinetic abilities to knock out Lucas by flying him into a metal plate. Mike then snaps at Elle for doing so and she escapes. Uh, she then has a flashback to finding the Russian where she casts sh who she casts um, Shadow Walk and she projects herself on this astral plane to locate people such as him but finds the monster and get in he begins to chase her. Uh, meanwhile, Lucas then wakes up and, you know, still angry and sad about the whole fight, uh, goes home. Nancy, still walking in the woods with Jonathan, hears something. They both find a severely wounded deer. Ah. <laughs> Dang, I really the, jumped the gun. Right? In the woods. 
possibly hit by a car and whimpering in pain. Jonathan then loads the gun to euthanize the deer under Nancy's suggestion, but it is taken away by the creature. They then find a trail of blood left by the deer. However, Nancy tracks it to a separate gate under a tree and goes inside alone. She ends up in the upside down, finding the creature eating the deer. Uh, she then slowly tries to back away, but she steps on a root which attracts the creature. She screams and runs away, with Jonathan unable to find her as the gate starts to close. Uh, but at the last second, Nancy is pulled out by Jonathan before the gate closes and the monster can get her. Uh, Steve, along with his friends, pay, decide to pay a visit to Nancy's house. However, as he's climbing her window, Steve sees Jonathan consoling Nancy after she took a shower to wash off all the gunk and mm -hmm. dead stuff that attached itself to her during while she was in the upside down. So clearly they're back at her place. And she doesn't want to be alone, and... Understandably, very traumatic experience. It, yeah. Um, but then again, you know, Steve, her boyfriend, sees Jonathan putting a towel on Nancy and comforting her, which he ultimately mistakes as her cheating on him. Mm -hmm. uh, Nancy, after encountering the monster, is intensely scared and frightened, asking Jonathan to stay with her for the company, for company. She asks him to sleep with him on her bed, but that's about the only thing that's that happens. Um, the next morning she finds he finds her upright and sleep deprived but both decide to further investigate this creature. Okay so Mike is lonely and sad and is you know missing Elle obviously. Um, meanwhile Hopper in his investigation, tracks down uh, a woman named Terry Ives. Um, she's a woman that claims to have her daughter, have had her daughter taken. So he finds her address. And so back at Nancy's house, her and Jonathan and Nancy are trying to locate the, um, where the monster is. And they're trying to figure out if that's similar to where Barbara might be, mm -hmm. you know given the deer and the deer where they found that portal yeah so um which they're finding an average distance of a mile or less so they're thinking that maybe this monster can smell blood and they decide to sneak out of the house to buy weapons and get supplies for this creature 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 hunt yep <laughs> um so Fraser, who's disguised as a newsletter editor, offers participation of students to a weekly AV newsletter to Clark, with him giving the names of Dustin, Lucas, and Mike to her. Uh, Dustin arrives at Mike's place, who contemplates on reconciling with Lucas by shaking his hand and a sign of forgiveness from whoever drew blood or started a fight first. And Dustin then packs his backpack and Mike's stuff to get Lucas. Mm -hmm. Elle has another flashback. Brenner tells her that today we make contact. She then wakes up from apparent sleep with no wig on. She puts it on but decides to take it off and she screams at a nearby lake which violently ripples the water and scares off birds. Meanwhile, Karen discovers that Nancy is missing. 
at Lucas's, he decides to shake Mike's hand under a condition that they forget Eleven, and they go straight forward, um, moving on without her. Lucas disagrees as L. Um, Mike disagrees. Mike disagrees. Yeah, Mike disagrees, and, and he believes that L was protecting them. They end up disagreeing completely, and Lucas decides to fly solo while Mike travels with Dustin. L, however, enters a grocery store, getting another flashback. Brenner is introducing her to colleagues, where she is lowered to apparently find the monster. Um, she then steals the egos, slamming the sliding doors violently in front of an employee, calling her out mm -hmm. for stealing. Um, the duo notice this and travel in the direction that she most likely went, with a stranger watching from afar. So one of the agents from the, the lab is watching... Lucas is going on his own kind of uh, investigation. Mm -hmm. Dustin and Mike are on their own, but they're trying to track down L at the same time. Um, Joyce and Hopper travel to Terry's home, where they find her fixated on a small TV, unable to speak or move. Her sister then explains that she studied in MK Ultra training at the laboratory in the 50s. And she would be drugged and stripped and put in isolation tanks, sensory deprivation, once to try to improve the brain's function. And she apparently miscarried, they put in quotes, a daughter in the third trimester. Uh, Terry imagined her, as her name is Jane, as a special daughter with abilities, which matches Eleven, revealing that she was captured by Brenner, who faked her death as Terry's sister completely disbelieves. Mm-hmm. Which is really sad, honestly. It is. Because you have your mind kind of, like, warped, and so it's basically, like, mush, but she still does have these memories of having a daughter. Mm hmm And even though she was told that she had a miscarriage, she doesn't believe that. She believes that her daughter is alive and well. Mm-hmm. Um... So, meanwhile, Lucas is on his bike. He arrives at the fenced area of the Hawkins laboratory. He looks at it in disgust, like, ew. Um, he decides to take his bike to the left for open space. Meanwhile, Nancy and Jonathan are, again, stocking up on weapons and traps at the Army, Army surplus store. Um, the, ca the cashier then asks, what are you kids doing with all of this? Nancy replies, monster hunting because who's <laughs> gonna believe them um which to the cashier's disbelief jonathan and nancy are loading the supplies into jonathan's car as they're talking to one another and suddenly a car passes by with a man saying can't wait to see your movie um which causes nancy to run to the nearby movie theater mm -hmm. uh with the words half written half spray painted on the marquee marquee all the Right Moves starring Nancy the Slut Wheeler. I wonder who did that. Bit dramatic. <laughs> right? This causes Nancy's reputation to decline drastically. Okay, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah. whatever. It's embarrassing. It is. Um, <laughs> but it is embarrassing because everybody in the town is looking at her weirdly and kind of like in a denouncing, mm -hmm. disgusting way. Looking down on her. Yeah. Um, Nancy then finds the culprits, which it is Steve and his two friends, um, Tommy, who spray-painted all of the words. And Nancy slaps Steve as the friends jeer at her with the fact that they, they're toxic, so that's why. Mm -hmm. Jonathan then shows up with Steve 
again denouncing him and his family. Um, Jonathan, you know, begins to fight Steve and continues to just punching him and punching him and punching him. Um, he then grabs, then grabs Jonathan and knocks him to the ground as they then start continuing to fight. Uh, but, you know, Jonathan's, you know, got Steve pinned down on the ground and he's just completely laying into him, punch after punch Shit after punch. Him. Yeah. While Steve's friends are telling, trying to tell him to stop. Um, the cops then try to get to separate them. Jonathan unintentionally, obviously, accidentally punches one of the cops. <laughs> Which leads to him being arrested, um, and Nancy's reputation ruined, but ruined. it's a little bit dramatic. Slandered. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then Hopper and Joyce then leave as, um, Terry's house, and as Joyce looks at Terry one last time, you know, kind of feeling sorry for her as to, like, what happened, as they get into the car... Hopper reassures Joyce that they will find Will and check self-checking and knowing themselves that Eleven is actually Jane Ives, Terry's long-lost daughter whom they thought was dead. Hopper is then called by the police to go to the department and sort out the situation with Jonathan. Uh, Nancy is offered to leave by one of the staff, but she is also called out by um, Flo. Mm-hmm. For her actions and decides to stay with Jonathan to console him because Flo's kind of like pointing out like not just not any guy's gonna fight and throw punches for you exactly like the way Jonathan she did right <laughs> so um Elle is eating her ego waffles in the woods while Mike and Dustin call out for her uh just then they spot Troy with a knife and the duo then bolt for it with Troy right behind him Meanwhile, Lucas then finds the compass needle pointing in the direction of a tree. He then decides to climb it using binoculars. He spots the gate that surrounds the lab. Um, he finds three men entering and an armed vehicle, as well as a handyman vehicle that says Hawkins Power and Light, which Lucas saw with one agent earlier. At the same time, Mike and Dustin run up a cliff just above the quarry where Will was found. And uh, while they're trying to defend themselves, Dustin is held captive by Troy, threatening Mike that he will cut out Dustin's teeth with his knife unless Mike jumps off the cliff into the quarry, which would almost certainly be fatal for him. To, you know, show, um, high jump. Yeah, it was, it was a very high jump. Mike, under pressure from Troy, jumps off but is levitated back onto the cliff by L, who pushes away Troy's accomplice and breaks Troy's right arm before they leave. She then collapses because she uses an immense amount of her power to not only save Mike, mm -hmm. but then to disarm and break Troy's arm. Uh, then Elle then remembers being in astral projection when she finds the monster eating on something. She silently walks up towards it and touches it. It then turns around towards her, scaring her to the point that she uses her powers accidentally to open the gate. Waking up from her slight unconsciousness, she sees Mike and admits that she opened the gate, tearfully admitting that she's the monster. Mike, however, tells her that she saved him and that it's what really matters. Mike, Dustin, and Elle all then have a group hug. 
which is like so One of iconic. My scenes, honestly, from the it is too because Dustin made me crack up when he because they don't mention this, but in the show, in the scene when after shortly after L breaks Troy's arm, and him and his friend like run off, <laughs> Dustin yells she's our friend and she's crazy and she'll hurt you or kill or something she'll like that you, she'll yeah. kill you but i think it's just so funny because we all have that one friend who's like you kind of fight for mm-hmm. and you'll stick up for and then they like as the the bullies or the bad guys are running away then they're kind of like all talk you know well, yeah yeah, yeah. you much. better run that's what i thought that's mommy. my friend you know yep. that's what <laughs> Okay, so Mike then decides to remove the makeup from Elle and answering um, from her question that she is still pretty. I know, so cute. He then also says that he's happy that Elle is home, to which she is also contemplating the same thing. They are about to apparently kiss, but Dustin interrupts them, saying that it's Lucas and he thinks that he's in trouble. They they turn on Mike's uh, walkie-talkie, um... But it's a bit out of range. Um, but they were able to make out Lucas saying that they know about Eleven. And that the bad men are coming. So they decide to leave Mike's house on their bikes. And while biking down a street. Um, that Lucas is on his way mm-hmm. to their house. Um, while most of the transcription is muddled. They understand and decide to leave. Um, they tell Karen that they are leaving and the trio depart with their bikes just as Brenner spots them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin, through his uh, calm radio, transmits to Lucas and tells him that they are being followed, which Lucas tells them to meet him at Elm and Cherry. They run through houses and lawns as soon and as the soon um, to intercept with Lucas. But with Brenner's men on their tail... A van, then, a van then intercepts in front of them, driving up the road to stop them. But L causes the van to be hit by her telekinetic force, flipping it upside down and giving them time to escape while Brenner and his team are blocked. Uh, that kind of reminds me of um, E.T. Yeah. Too. Again, I don't know why there's like so many E.T. flashbacks. Well, <laughs> um, because he's she's riding on the back of the bike with L or with Mike, and you again how et uses his telekinetic powers she does the same thing mm-hmm. um so let's see they end up riding all the way to the junkyard right with the old school bus and try to hide yeah out there. so they arrive at the junkyard with lucas forgiving l as she forgives him as well and shaking mike's hand finally and you know everything's all good with the team yeah um, so, back to Hopper and Joyce, they're arriving at the police department with them being initially confused as they both demand for Jonathan to be let go, but they see the army supplies in his car, which causes Harper, Hopper to be distrustful towards him, telling him that they won't believe him. Um, Karen and her husband are then visited by Agent Frazier, Disguised as a police officer, as they check through their stuff, Karen is then told that Mike has been hiding Eleven, but then is assured by Brenner himself as she unknowingly gives them their hideout location, mm-hmm. which is the junkyard. Yes. 
Um, Lucas then lays out the building perspective with them implying that the gate should be in there somewhere, that the building is government sanctioned to build weapons to fight against the Cold War in 1983. Dustin then spots a helicopter in it coming towards their direction um, and they decide to hide their bikes and hide in a non-functional um, bus. Meanwhile, at the police department, Jonathan gives information that the picture in the picture of the monster, but Joyce is angry at him because of it, as they can, because of it, and they quickly reconcile. Hopper, however, hears a very silly fight between Troy, Troy's mother and a deputy. He then learns from Troy about Eleven, and basing it from mostly irrelevant and biased information. So Hopper is trying to play off or play down this this incident that Troy mm. is talking about and yeah. how he broke his arm and then the incident at school where she made him pee her pants. So he's just trying to divert their suspicions about Elle being who she is. Yeah. Um, so then Steve is back in his car with an gnarly scar on his face from his fight with Jonathan. And He's buying, uh, you know, store-bought pills, you know, pain pills from Tommy. Um, he, and then he's, Steve's listening to Tommy and his girlfriend gossip about Nancy and Jonathan and them being lovers. And he suddenly has a change of heart and confronts Tommy and Carol before he leaves in his car, um, you know, leaving his toxic friends. Mm -hmm. Good for him, though. I know. Gosh, Jesus, people are annoying. Uh -huh. <laughs> Hopper and Joyce then get Nancy and Jonathan to help find Mike, Dustin, and Lucas, as well as Elle. They then gather information about the monster and the kids before they acquire a comm radio at Jonathan's home, which ends up being Will. Mm -hmm. Will's. Um, Dustin, Mike, and Lucas discuss to one another if they are actually caught up with the bad guys or not. Um, but Mike reluctantly answers. They then give them their current location. Uh, Steve, with his now new set of ways, uh, goes to the theater where they defaced the sign and um, decides to offer to clean it up. And good for him. Though. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> he's not. He's like the the bad boy, but not really the bad boy. You yeah. know, he 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 really does care about Nancy. He does. I mean, it's really sad as you continue on, like, with the season. I just want Steve Harrington to be happy. Right? <laughs> I volunteer. Right. Yes. Um, so, they're looking, so they're on their way to go get the, the boys. Steve is cleaning up his... Mess. Like, what is it? His, what is it called? Mistake? Not a mistake. It's the, his graffiti. Yeah. Yeah, vandalism. Yeah, his vandalism. There you go. Um, so the owner reluctantly allows him to help, but, but not before realizing that he is one of the people who did it. Mm -hmm. um, Karen and her husband discuss trying to find Mike despite Frazier's command to stay home. Dustin, still in the bus with the other three, say that he doesn't have a good feeling when they see two cars pull up with three agents armed. They then hide and stay still in the bus, but one notices the bike under the bus and slowly opens the door to which he's knocked out by Hopper, who tells them to go. Joyce, Jonathan, and Karen are at the buyer's resident when Hopper returns with Lucas, Dustin, and Mike at, um, and Elle at the house. Mike then tells them the theory of the flea and the acrobat, at which point that he concludes about the gate, that it interferes with the Earth's electromagnetic field and compasses. 
Joyce and Nancy both ask Eleven to find Will and Barb in the Upside Down, but she can't find them as the comm radio they are using is too small to track them. Uh, when all of them ask how to find another way, she immediately sees the bathtub in the bathroom while in there and tells them about the bath. Mm -hmm. um, Dustin then calls Mr. Clark to get information on sensory deprivation tanks and lists the, the materials they need from both him and Elle. Um, which is funny because when Dustin calls, Mr. Clark is like on a date at his house and they're watching the thing. Yes, I remember it. Yeah, that was funny. And he's like trying to get off the phone and Dustin's like, no, I need to know this now. Um, <laughs> but luckily, doc Mr. I don't know why I call him doctor. Mr. Clark reluctantly tells him. At this point, he's a doctor. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Hopper and Jonathan get um, de-icing salt from Hawkins Middle School. And Dustin and Lucas set up uh, a kiddie pool in their in the school's gymnasium. Mm -hmm. um, and Joyce, is, uh, that she used for bobbing for apples during one of her flashbacks with uh, Will. Yes. Um, Mike and Nancy get hoses from a nearby shed while Joyce duct tapes the visor on a set of goggles for 11 so she can focus. Mm -hmm. um, Mike fills up the pool with lukewarm water. Lucas sets the temperature for lukewarm. Jonathan and Hopper then dump the de-icing salt and Dustin tests the density of the water with eggs. Elle is then placed in with the goggles where the light flickers off as she astral projects again. She finds Barb lying on the ground as she slowly walks up to her um, but unfortunately Barb is dead Rip. and partially it, uh, eaten and decaying and with a slug-like creature in her mouth. <laughs> um, Nancy asks if Barb is okay, which Elle yells gone numerous times. Um, she finds Castle Byers in the Upside Down as well, finding Will cold and frightened on the bed. Uh, she relays a message from Joyce to Will that they are going to find him and to hold on. Will then disappears from the astral region and Elle's whimpering as she wakes up from the bath, crying and scared. Uh, Hopper is then given information about Castle Byers from Joyce and Jonathan and prepares to leave. However, Joyce, worried about Will and his welfare and state of being, goes along as well despite Hopper's uh, warning. Jonathan, however, is told not to, is told not to by Hopper as well as Joyce, but both him and Nancy decide to sneak out of the building to get supplies from the station from which he agrees. Um, they go to the police station and steal the army supplies as well as a fire extinguisher. Hoppy. Hoppy. <laughs> Hoppy. <laughs> Take another drink. <laughs> right. Hopper and Joyce cut the fence on the way into the lab. Um, they trespass in order to find the entrance, but they are caught by security guards outside as they surrender and are handcuffed. Um, back in the Upside Down, Will is singing to himself again, should I stay or should I go? Quietly as he shivers in Castle Byers, the monster then growls as Will sits upright scared as it approaches the fort. It then destroys it, carrying off Will to an unknown place. In the laboratory, Joyce is handcuffed to a chair parallel to another chair on a metal table in an interrogation-like room. She screams to be let out as Brenner arrives and interrogates Joyce as to the location of Elle and being in contact with Will, despite having tried to kill his friends numerous times. 
Um, Joyce angrily refuses due to the actions of capturing Eleven for his own um, and faking Will's death and leaving him in the upside down instead of reaching out to him. Uh, Hopper, however, is tased repeatedly into leaking out his knowledge of the laboratory led by Agent Connie Frazier. He reveals that about the experiments, objectives, their killing of Benny Hammond, and the restaurant owner who Eleven went to, and the faking of Will's death, and their scuffing up of tracks. Um, he then negotiates a deal to let him and Joyce go to get so the supplies needed and to find Will to bury the hatchet soon after. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, back at the gym, Dustin, Mike, Lucas, and Elle wait patiently in the gym. With Elle wrapped in a towel, Mike then goes out the door to look for Nancy and Jonathan, which they find that his car is gone. He then tells the trio in which Elle reveals that they are going to fight the monster. Back at the buyer's residence, Nancy and Jonathan extensively set up a crude trap for the monster. Um, they lay out they lay out gasoline, bear traps, and a yo-yo to indicate the monster is trapped. Uh, Nancy loads the revolver and John- Jonathan hammers long nails into a baseball bat. Uh, Brenner then arrives at the room where Hopper is being held in, offering a cigarette and lighter, which Hopper takes. He then asks for Brenner's word that they will remain neutral and to not target Mike, Dustin, and Lucas, which Brenner accepts. Hopper then reveals the deal to Joyce, in which both put on hazmat suits for protection against the Upside Down's atmosphere. They grab flashlights and enter the Upside Down. Brenner is actually betraying Hopper, surprise, surprise, mm-hmm, uh, due to the high possibility that they will die and goes arm and rides towards Hawkins Middle School. Um, now in the Upside Down, Hopper tells Joyce to breathe deeply in and out. She's kind of starting to freak out. During this, he remembers seeing Sarah, his daughter. Um, he, there's a, a flashback in which he's playing with her in the park uh, along with his wife. Um, she then... Uh, his daughter then then starts to breathe heavily in which his wife, you know, frightened watches while Hopper tells her to breathe, you know, help her control her breathing in and out. And he's then snapped out of his flashback and asks Joyce if she is okay, in which she replies yes. Um, back at the house, Jonathan and Nancy cut their hands with kitchen knives to attract the monster, um, both reviewing the plan straight into Will's room to not move until the monster steps in the trap at which Jonathan will immolate with a lighter. Yes. Um, at the gym, Mike wonders, wonders what will happen, at which Lucas and Dustin agree to stay in the gym to protect Elle. Dustin then goes to the cafeteria chick, uh, chicken I can't talk. Mm-hmm. Into the cafeteria kitchen to find chocolate pudding, accusing the lunch lady of actually hoarding it for herself. <laughs> Um, to the rest of the group's worries. Jonathan and Nancy, with their hands bandaged, comfort each other while they wait for the monster to arrive. However, unexpectedly, Steve knocks at the door, which Nancy opens, then tries to close and shut him out by telling him that there is danger. Um, But he enters forcibly after seeing Nancy's bandaged hand. Confused by the trap's setup, Jonathan tells him to leave, but Nancy grabs the revolver and aims it at Steve, ordering him to get out. Just then, the Christmas lights start to blink as the monster arrives through the ceiling wallpaper, scaring Steve out of his mind. (laughs) Barricading themselves into Will's room, Jonathan holds the lighter while the monster passes. However, the electricity jolts, and the monster is nowhere to be found. 
Uh, Hopper and Joyce now in the upside down version of the Hawkins Forest find a broken egg. They then come across Castle Byers now destroyed by the monster. Looking at a stuffed tiger, uh, he does a, has another flashback to when Sarah, who's now in the hospital, bald and has cancer, was reading alongside with Hopper a book with the same exact stuffed tiger, then showing, shown crying on a stairway, um, clearly because his daughter passed away. Um, however, hearing Joyce's voice, he snaps back out of the flashback. At the buyer's house, the trio looks for the monster. Steve, frightened, tries to call someone, but Nancy grabs the phone out of his hand and says the, the monster will return and to leave now. He then decides to bolt out the front door, fumbling with his keys in order to get in the car, but he starts to see the lights in the house pulsating again. Um, in the living room, the lights go out before the monster pins Jonathan down. Just then, Nancy shoots the monster to no effect, um, but it directs its attention to Nancy. It then stops, stomps towards her, but Steve interferes, grabbing the baseball bat and knocking and hitting it to the bear trap. Jonathan then lights the trail of gasoline, lighting the monster on fire. Back in the Upside Down, Hopper and Joyce hear the monster's screams and follow it. Jonathan then extinguishes the fire, but finding that the monster is yet nowhere to be found, but believing it to be dead. In the real world, the Christmas lights pinpoint the location of Joyce and Hopper. As Jonathan realizes, he calls out to Joyce and she calls back, being able to hear him. She then leaves and the trio walk outside to see a street light blinking. Nancy relating it to the monster asks where it's going and Jonathan replies that it's not the monster uh, so then Dustin and Lucas find the the cachet pudding for Elle <laughs> confirming that the lunch lady was hoarding it for herself uh, during their alone time Mike and Elle contemplate on having her as an adoptive family member Mike says that she will be well fed and care um, cared for and can live with him after with Elle asking to not lie, Mike then says that they could go to the snowball, a dance at the middle school for winter, and that she can go, and that you can go with someone you like more, that's more than a friend. In explaining this, he then tries to kiss her for two seconds, then pulls back. <laughs> Both are completely amazed. Um, Mike then goes outside, believing that it's Nancy and Jonathan, but he sees the agents parking in the school and looking for them. He tells the rest of the group, and they uh, run through the school out of the gym um, to try and escape. While in the school hallway, Frazier's group of agents surround them. However, Elle, protecting the rest, proceeds to use her uh, telekinesis to squish their brains mm. as they bleed from their eyes into a pulp. She then stops, which kills all of them, but weakens her immediately. Um, she collapses to the ground, unconscious, and the group tries to wake her up. Hopper and Joyce then walk through the upside-down Hawkins. As they walk through, they find a building with a massive amount of black roots, which turns out to be the monster's nest. They go inside, unaware of the surroundings. Um, still trying to wake her up, Brenner encounters them and has the agents restrain Dustin, Lucas, and Mike. He then sits near Elle and picks her up, being unable to move but talk. 
he then tells her that he can take her home to the to the lab where they can make her better and that no casualties will take place or happen yes lie (laughs) l realizing the usage of her um and the agents finds to you know this guy that she calls papa bad Mm -hmm. just then mike notices a large amount of blood on the floor from fraser's agents realizing that it can be detected it can detect blood as uh the monster enters through the wall the agents then go after um go off the trio as they take l to the classroom leaving the agents behind the monster then jumps on top of brenner killing him and the agents in the upside down hopper and joyce find the nest and look through it to find will while searching through the bodies they find some eat some alive but drain life joyce looking for will finds him with a lar- finds him alive um but with a tube in his throat uh, mm-hmm. Joyce and Hopper take out the slug-like creature with him shooting it with his gun. So they don't, he doesn't shoot the slug with it still in, in Will's throat. Yeah, they, they take, take out, out the and then, yeah, shoot it. It and shoot it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Dustin, Mike, and Lucas now in the classroom take Elle to a desk where she can uh, rest and heal. Mike consoles her by reminding her of the life she can have once it's all over as she asks him, you know, does he promise? Mike promises, but just then the monster kills the rest of the agents and breaks into the classroom. Lucas arms himself with a slingshot, <laughs> shooting projectiles at it to no effect. The fourth time he shoots it, however, seemingly knocking the monster back against the chalkboard. They then see Elle walking towards it, being the one restraining it. Mike asks her to stop, but she pushes him back with telekinesis. Ignoring her ongoing nosebleed, she says, Goodbye, Mike. As she proceeds to seemingly kill the monster, causing an amount of force that transforms it into a small particles and it disappears along with L. Uh, the electric electricity is then jolts back. Mike then yells for L, with the others yelling for her as well, but she doesn't appear. So at this point, you're thinking, like, she's gone. She's yeah, dead. at this point, I thought, holy shit, she dead. Right? Um, putting Will on the ground, Hopper asks Joyce to lift his chin, pinch his nostrils, and breathe into his mouth twice as at its command while he does chest compressions performing CPR together. During this, Hopper remembers being in Sarah's hospital room, seeing doctors perform CPR on her as the EKG monitor flatlines, and him embracing his wife, who are both distraught. Hopper then repeatedly punches Will's chest. Ow. <laughs> This causes him to wake up, with Joyce encouraging him to breathe in and out, with Hopper putting on an oxygen mask for Will as Joyce tearfully hugs him. Karen and her husband then find Mike as Karen embraces him. Do they really find yeah, him? Yeah, they, well, they, they're, the they're, authority, the police are there at that school. Okay, stuff, that's so. right. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so um, back in the hospital, Will's sleeping until he wakes up and sees Jonathan and Joyce. Um... He asks where he is. Jonathan tells him that he is safe now. Consoling him, Jonathan and Joyce catch up a little bit with him and bring him some supplies, such as a mixtape. In the waiting room, Mike waits with Lucas and Dustin, who are sleeping. Um, When Jonathan signals him to go, he wakes up Dustin and Lucas as they tenderly embrace him. They tell him the whole history of what happened since he went missing, including Eleven. Uh, Nancy then leaves as Jonathan looks back um, after her. 
Hopper leaves smoking a cigarette, but not before entering a car with men in black suits as they drive away. Um, then it kind of cuts to one month later on Christmas Eve. Will is playing Dungeons and Dragons with the duo. He then comes across a Thessalhydra. Yeah, Thessalhydra. Thessalhydra. But rolls a 14 and successfully casts a fireball with paint and painfully kills the Thessalhydra. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cheer and celebrate the action, but quickly quarrel when the campaign is over, which takes 10 hours, <laughs> but presents a lot of plot holes. Um, Jonathan then comes to take Will home, and he does, saying goodbye to his friends. Nancy, before Jonathan's exit, gives him a gift before he leaves and kisses him on the cheek. Will then, op- Will then opens it to reveal a new camera for Jonathan as they drive home. Nancy then cuddles with Steve who asks if she gave it to him, implying that Steve bought the camera as a a sorry gift. Mm. And she says yes. At the police station, a Christmas party is going on there, and as Hopper arrives to grab Ego waffles out of the refrigerator, to which two deputies exclaim it as the assistant Flo puts out his cigarette and says Merry Christmas to him. Um, He then leaves the station, driving to an unlocked safe box and putting the waffles on a plate inside, closing it. It is a remembrance gift for Eleven since she is either presumed dead or in an unknown place. Hopper then leaves. Uh, Jonathan and Will then arrive at home with Joyce making Christmas dinner. Jonathan takes pictures with his new camera documenting the pictures. Will says after observing the wrapped gift off screen that it is an Atari console because of Dustin's being the exact weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he picks it up, he's like, it's the exact same weight, I'm pretty sure it's an Atari. Yeah. Joyce then says that we shall see, you know, suspiciously. Um, Will then excuses himself to wash his hands in the bathroom. In the bathroom, though, he feels sick and coughs up a small slug-like creature in that was in his throat, and it goes down the sink. He then looks warily into the bathroom mirror, turning on the faucet as the room all around him then starts to look like the Upside Down. For a minute before switching back to reality. Um, he looks in the bathroom mirror, um, turns off the faucet slowly. There's then a small growling heard. At the dinner table, Will returns very weirdly into his chair. Joyce asks if he's okay, to which he responds, yeah, I'm okay. Uh, the family then commences dinner as they talk about Dungeons and Dragons as the camera pulls back into a wide angle from the house window as it snows outside. The TV logo then shows itself one last time as it fades. So. Such a fast-paced and strong first season, honestly. There was so much that happened, too. Mm-hmm. Like. To think it was only eight episodes, but it moved so fast. Like, each episode was really it, engaging. It did, but and it was, it was really good because sometimes if you try to cram so much information into only eight episodes, you can kind of get lost and, mm-hmm. and confused on what's going on and who's going, you know, just too much bouncing around. But it seemed to be going and having enough bouncing around. Like, you mm-hmm. could still follow. What I liked about it was, like, the information that was given with, like, each thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they gave, like, a different side. Like, you'll tune in with the kids and you'll discover, like, oh, they found out something about L and stuff. Then you realize you'll jump to Hopper and stuff. But, like, oh, it's, like, seemingly something different. But then you realize they're talking about the same thing. It's all the same plot line. Like, t- 
yeah even the flashbacks like yeah even the flashbacks too you were still able to keep up with the flashbacks of both hopper um especially 11 mm -hmm. and really you got to see you know her torture her experience in the lab like obviously mm -hmm. it wasn't pleasant and then her mom yeah which i'm sure you know going into the second season you're gonna learn more about and kind of see more of Elle's past or upbringing within the the lab yeah definitely did yeah so yeah that was stranger things season one um i hope you guys enjoyed it and hopefully this kind of if you haven't seen it already please go see it you guys need to catch up like binge watch one season one through three we in quarantine you have plenty of time exactly um and all episodes or all seasons should be available on netflix um but yeah uh thanks to my sister for being my first official guest on my podcast hopefully um next week i will have the second season and then the week after that we'll have the third season and kind of segueing into the fourth season and what to expect and all that fun stuff given what the trailers have shown spoiler alert hopper's alive <laughs> Yeah, um, but we'll get into that um, in season two and three, um, why we're so excited about Hopper being alive and why he was suspected to not be alive. I have plenty of theories. Oh, well, we'll be sure to get them. Anyways, hope you guys like it. Again, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Instagram at um, happy hour with Victabulous. And my Twitter is hhrvictabulous. Again, you can email me, happyhourvictabulous at hotmail.com. And then you also mentioned something about um, yes. your YouTube. Yes, on my channel, in the description below, in, uh, in recent events with Black Lives Matter and the movement, I've opened up a GoFundMe page. It's linked directly to the Forrest Lawrence Henson Foundation. It's a foundation that specializes on the mental health of black lives. It offers different resources as far as therapy and appointments and you can talk to real professionals nationwide to be able to help you for other resources that are out there. Uh, the GoFundMe is linked directly to the website, so it'll go, all proceeds will go directly to the foundation, as well as in the description that I have listed, a list of other donations that you could be able to make a charity to if you have or are able to. If not, I also have a list of a bunch of different positions that if you're unable to donate, you can be able to sign and contribute in that way. Yes, thank you so much. That That's very helpful information, so hopefully you guys can go over and head over to her YouTube page and um, get all that information that you need. And uh, yeah, so thank you again for being my very special guest. And we'll see who's going to be my next guest uh, for Stranger Things Season 2. Maybe I can get uh, the other half to your your twin my roommate your roommate yes <laughs> all right well um hope you guys have a good rest of your weekend please be safe and we will see you next time bye bye bye